Welcome back to the Rad Lab podcast presented by the Tennessee Tech University Chemistry Department. Uh, I am Dr. David Dan, and with me is Dr. Dale Enzer. This podcast goes into everything radiochemistry and then a little bit more. So last time we spoke about uranic rays discovered by Becquerel, and now we're going to go into how that discovery led into uh, what is now radiochemistry. Yeah, the um, originally there was a lot of interest in the uranic rays, but they could only be uh, detected by photographic plates, and so that would be only a um, qualitative uh, manner of detecting those. One of the questions that came up in Becquerel was when he studied these was that the uranic rays were ionizing rays. In other words, passing through air, they caused ions to form. The rays would knock off electrons, and so you would get ions as a result. But no one really followed up on Becquerel's information and his study. And so pretty much after the a year after his announcement, uh, the research community was pretty much forgetting them. Yeah, and that's be, mainly because they saw no use for it, right? Right. There, there wasn't a commercial use like there was for x-rays. So about um, beginning in, in 1897, the Curies entered the picture and began to do research on these rays. But I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the background of both Marie and Pierre Curie and how they came together as uh, husband and wife and as research partners. And really becoming like a power couple within radiochemistry or science. Initially, yes. Um, Now, Marie, whose original name was Manya Solodowska, was born in what at that time was a part of Russia, but it was really originally Poland. Poland uh, was sectored away uh, at at the end of the uh, 1700s and was partitioned between Russia and Germany. She was the youngest of five children. Uh, Her father and mother both were teachers Uh, Her father was a science teacher. However, they were prevented from teaching because of Russian regression. Uh, The Russians required only that the students be taught in Russian and only with approved Russian material. And so many of the schools and many of the Polish teachers would teach Polish ideas and if they were caught, then they were kicked out of school, and that's what happened with her parents. But Marie was a very was probably the most brilliant of the five uh, siblings. And once she graduated from school, which she was then forced to serve as a governess at, to a small farming family outside the. Um, outside of Warsaw. During that time, she had fallen in love with the son 
of the family that she was governess to. And they originally made plans to be married, except that the family said, you're not going to marry this pen penniless uh, governess. And, um, but the son kept proclaiming his love for her. But in the end, when it came down to it, the son realized that if he married her, his parents were going to cut him off. And so money overruled love at that point in time, which caused Marie to, in her words, uh, write off all males. <laughs> so she wrote off uh, the other half. <laughs> right. And she decided to dedicate herself to science. I guess we all benefited from that, like, uh, from that decision by that guy or that family. So, yeah. well, going back to the teaching in Russia, so they still allowed Polish teachers. Right. But they could only teach Russian subjects. Mm. Um, did they allow... Did they teach men and women differently? Yes. Once uh, Marie graduated from what we would call high school, uh, she was not allowed to go to college. Mm. In, in fact, they had in Warsaw what was called a flying university for women. And the reason it was flying is it kept meeting in different places all around the city. <laughs> And so they called it the Flying University. But, uh, and Marie then taught and studied there. And it wasn't until her sister, oldest sister, obtained a medical degree in France and married a, um, an expat. And they settled in, in Paris. And her sister then asked or gave Marie the option of coming and living with them. And so in uh, 1891, Marie was able to move to Paris, and she entered the Sorbonne University. And interesting there, uh, there with the Sorbonne, is they have no set curriculum. They take whatever classes they wanted to take and whatever professors they wanted to take. That sounds like a dream. <laughs> and, and took exams whenever they wanted. Wow, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you had to take exams in order to get a degree. And so at that point, she settled and initially living with her older sister was difficult because she and her husband both were medical doctors and they had in a small apartment was also their medical office. So during the day there were lots of people in and out and surgery going on and so after a short period of time Marie decided to move to a small six-story apartment in the Latin Quarter. And then in two years, she took the test for physics and was first in the class in physics. And then the next year, she took the math test and was second. And initially, initially said, 
you know, that uh, she should have been first. That was her fault. She didn't study hard enough. So you take these exams. Is that like your, if you pass the exam, do you get like a degree in that specific? Um, right. Okay. So, yeah. so it culminates into essentially one big exam? That, my understanding, and that exam could cover any topic. So, you you know, when it says you are free to take exams whenever you wanted, it wasn't quite the freedom that, uh, you know, some students might interpret that to mean. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to be ready. <laughs> yeah. And um, once she uh, received her degree, she had planned to return to Warsaw. In fact, had promised her father that she would return. Uh, however, the Society for the Encouragement of National in Industry gave her a grant to conduct a study of the magnetic properties of the various steels produced in France. And so she, she had a small income, not very much what we would consider now. Now, in the spring of 1894, her professor, Lintman, who was a Polish expat, expat uh, and been her physics professor, invited her to dinner one evening, and at the same time, he invited a friend, Pierre Curie, to um, dinner at the same time. And her quote was, uh, we began a conversation that soon became friendly. <laughs> nice now, way to put it. Now, Pierre was 34 at the time, so he was about 10 years older. Um, an introvert, one who had been, again, sort of had a teenage love that uh, ended badly, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Um, and so... He had sworn off women because he, he says he never thought he'd be able to find a woman whose intelligence and interest were parallel his in science. So he was he you know he never thought that would would happen, but little did he know. <laughs> yeah, and but he was not without a background because. In 1880, he and his older brother, Jacques, uh, discovered what is now called the piezoelectric effect, which is the uh, building up of current on certain crystals, quartz is one of them, as a result of applied pressure. And so they created a device called the quartz piezoelectroscope or electrometer which they could accurately measure very, very small amounts of electrical current. Pierre also studied the effect of temperature change on magnetic properties. So you have the Curie temperature or the Curie point. I don't, you know, I've seen either, mm -hmm. but that's Pierre Curie. So he was already established, really. Right. Really and he, he is also well known for his work with crystal symmetries. He was applying different symmetries to the, and um, had certain very well-known friends who, for example, Lord Kelvin, and there is a, a little note in one of the, uh, in the, his biography where he had a letter from Kelvin saying, 
if I were to call on you tomorrow at 10 a.m., would you be home? So <laughs> From Kelvin. Yeah, Lord yeah, Kelvin, yeah. yes. So, so, so he also, he did work with group theory or establishing group theory? Um, I'm not sure about group theory, okay. but uh, certainly the, the aspect of symmetry applied to crystal structure. Okay. Yeah, so, well, so he's, you know, he yeah. had his hand in a lot of things. Yes, he, he did. However, his job was with a what we would call technical school uh, where he was the laboratory manager. So he, he basically designed the labs that the students took. So he was not a faculty member as we would think. He was a laboratory assistant. Even with all of those accomplishments, he's right. still just a lab assistant. Because he was not a self-promoter. Mm. He did not promote himself well. And in fact, several times he was up for membership in the French Academy and uh, did not make it because less well-qualified candidates would be able to talk themselves and persuade them, yeah, you know. that sort of thing. But um, anyway, after that first meeting, Pierre and Marie began to uh, see each other more often, and she even invited him up to her little six uh, on the sixth floor little apartment. And it. One of the quotes is, as our friendship grew more and more precious to us, each realized that he or she could find no better life companion. Now, Marie did go back to Warsaw, and in one of the biographies, you can find the, some of the letters they exchanged, but both were always talking about the fact that they were committed to science and committed to each other. Which came first for them, you think? I think the fact that they were of the same mind, you know, and not really expecting to find someone else that was, that was of their same ideas. Yeah. Do you think they put science before the relationship? That's a good question. I, I'm thinking science was still... Number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they they were married in eighteen in July of eighteen ninety five, and um, they spent their honeymoon in southern France riding bicycles. Some of the pictures showed them, and w when they returned, he he was actually given a small office but no lab. So he had no office before then. No. <laughs> yeah, he 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 was not treated very well by yeah. the. There. Now, their first daughter, Irene, was born in September of 1897, and that's about the time that Marie decided to uh, begin her Ph.D. work. Now, at that time, as we said, most of the interest in uh, uranic rays had sort of died down. No one was really interested. But Maurice saw that the image that is generated on the photo, the photo paper, the intensity of it did not change. And so there was energy associated with that that didn't seem to go away. 
and they were interested in what was the source of that energy. Now, Becquerel had determined that the uranic rays would ionize air, and Becquerel had, had actually tried to use an electrometer to measure that buildup of charge, uh, and he was unsuccessful. Now, then Pierre began to put together a new instrument which uh, gave Marie a way of measuring the intensity. And the new instrument was basically a, what we would call today an ion chamber. In other words, there would be a negative and positive plate. The uh, radioactive material would be put on one of the plates and then the charge that was generated between the, the two electrodes would be balanced by putting small weights and stressing the piezoelectric and using the piezoelectric effect to null out the current. So it took, you, you were looking at a microscope to the, at the electrometer and then you were, without watching what you were doing, I mean, you, you couldn't take your eyes off the electrometer. You then had to adjust the mass of the weights that was causing the uh, piezoelectric uh, quartz to change its tension or its, its generation. And that's how you compensated for the charge in the air. It always surprises me the workarounds they came up with back then with thinking about mechanical ways of detecting these kinds of things and thinking about balances and how they've evolved over time and where now we have, we're just blessed with software electronics and you know computer chips and they were looking at attention changing yeah. across this electrode. Well, now she began a systematic study of minerals, uh, both with uranium and without, and looked for other elements that might be emitting these uranic rays. Now, she has in her original lab notebook a whole list of the, of the minerals and substances she looked at. But the sort of first thing that she did that began to be a quantitative measure, whereas as opposed to a qualitative, uh, Becquerel was basically a qualitative yes-no type of answer. Uh, she began to put a value on the intensity of the uranic rays given off by various substances and she actually obtained pure uranium metal and then used that as a measure against other substances. And so she showed that the intensity of the radioactivity, which was a term they coined, uh, was proportional to the amount of uranium that was in the mineral. Now, that worked mostly. And so one of her first papers, she could not present it, but her former 
physics professor Littman read the paper. And that's just because they didn't allow women to present right. at these, yeah. 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 And P- Pierre couldn't do it either because he was not a member of the French Academy. And so, anyway, in this, she first of all announced that she had found that thorium also was radioactive. Uh, however, she was about two months too slow. Uh, it had been published in Germany about two months uh, prior to that by a German researcher. So she did not get credit for discovering thorium. But uh, she did show that there was a proportionality between the intensity of the radiation and the amount of uranium in certain substances. But she found one oddity, no more than one oddity, but she had some pitch blend, which was from Czechoslovakia, and it had a higher intensity than pure uranium metal. What, what exactly is pitch blend? It basically is what's left over after you have removed the uranium minerals, and it's a waste pile. But this waste pile was four times more active than uranium metal. And at the end of her first paper, she proposed that there must be something more radioactive, more intensely radioactive than uranium found in the pitch blend. And so this began the second part of her studies. Yeah, and that's where they discovered another element. (laughs) More than one. More than one. Yes. Now, in the notebook, and it's actually Pierre's, when she found this uncertainty and this more intense radiation, Pierre then dropped his research and began to work with her. Because he saw the value in her research. He was very interested and and wanted to follow up on it. So how were they concentrating the uranium down? So they they had a pretty good understanding of its chemistry, I'm I'm assuming. They they did. um, They basically used what we used to call qual schemes, where we looked at the uh, solubility, um, mainly sulfur, in various pH or various pH forms, and you were able to separate out different metals with uh, the sulfur and sulfate. You know, there were just these different ways to precipitate, and that's that is the way they began to look at this, trying to find this new high more intense radiation. Um, did they know about the different oxidation states? Not at that. Not they at that. they really didn't. They they were following the chemistry as you would a periodic table. And so if it were like, for example, bismuth, then you'd expect it to precipitate as bismuth. If it were like calcium, you'd expect it to precipitate like calcium does. 
and it wasn't until was it Seaborg where they then moved the FL the F block kind of in its own. Right. Uh, yeah, that was yeah during the Manhattan Project. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they were still assuming all these uh, things about the elements. Right. They did not realize that it wasn't another D transition series below uh, what was currently known. And there were a number of elements that were missing from the periodic table around the turn of the century. Oh, yeah. It's incredible how many elements were found so quickly, especially, dur- especially during the Manhattan Project and things like that. Um, yeah. And even like during this time with... The Curies. Right. Actinium was not known at, until the uh, Curie. That was part of what began to, to cause others to look at this area again. And bring more attention to it all. Right. And that's what we'll get into. We'll get in, yeah, next time we'll get into the chemistry. The chemistry of it, yes. Yeah, and, and the naming of the elements. Yeah, and how pretentious that can get. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes it can. Yeah, and I just didn't, I didn't know that this was such a love story, you know, them both swearing off love and the other and this and that. and then. Oh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, without the radioactivity, you could have, certainly have a uh, Hollywood uh, special going on there. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely yeah. sounds like it could be easily <laughs> a romantic <laughs> comedy if, you know, swearing off of men and swearing off of women and then... finding each other and really you know having you know pierre and his abilities for designing different equipment and piezoelectric effects so that to help her quantify and things like that was really yeah well i view it as the perfect collaboration yeah i mean it up until that time most people worked by themselves Uh, they didn't have well for example renkin was one that hid from everybody else yeah yeah and he did his wife didn't know his yeah. his, his his lab assistant didn't know, know. yeah you know. they 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 were very afraid that they'd lose the credit for the discovery so do you think if they didn't get married radiochemistry would have took taken a lot longer to be uh, discovered or you know pushed forward well without the ability to turn it into a quantitative topic yeah, it would have taken more time, I'm sure. Yeah, so I, w- I want to talk about the instrumentation and yeah, and how so. So they had to use a microscope to see the difference in the well, the electrometer. Okay. And the needle. Okay, gotcha. And so that needle would. Yeah, and as they would either t- add or subtract small amounts of weight, that was stressing the the quartz crystal then the electrometer would tell you, you know, one way or the other, and her goal was to get it nulled out mm-hmm. so that the from the mass and time on the crystal, they could calculate the intensity. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But it, it took someone who was able to use both hands while they're you, you can see pictures of her looking at this long um, what must have been a, a microscope while you know working with both hands wow. uh, yeah I'm glad K 
counting has come a long way, but I've actually yeah. I heard a story from another from another professor that about you and how students were would count beeps with um, with like counters in your office when they were counting uh, different samples, and to even that seems like foreign to me to have to oh. do that. Well, yeah, we used to have stopwatches and yeah. and uh, and then and then. Uh, the the counters sometimes were not synced. You know, some of the older ones when I came were not synced with a timer. Yeah. So they you start to stopwatch and wow. and they they would have they would count for twenty five seconds and then have five seconds to reset and write it down and start it again when they were doing half-lives. Oh, my goodness. You know, when you're doing your ha- you, yeah. the, the barium half-life, mm-hmm. which is two minutes, so they, yeah. they, they could only count for 25 seconds, and then they have five seconds to record and reset and start again. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I definitely appreciate the technology that <laughs> I have today for sure because... Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. They you had to work for it, I guess. You had to work a lot more for it. And there were no spreadsheets. Yeah, no spreadsheet, no Excel, or uh, they actually used graph paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. We will be back um, hopefully very soon with the next part of the Curies and talking about the growth of radiochemistry and the science behind it. Thank you for listening. <laughs>